0: Well, here we go, my friends, and welcome back to another audio adventure here on the podcast known as Insight. I'm Chris Van Fleet. Thank you so much for choosing our show in a sea of so many other options. And not only am I excited to have you with us for this, but I am pumped to have my good friend, my brother, Riaz Megji, on the show. We've known each other coming up on 15 years, and our career paths are eerily similar. We both worked at MTV Canada in Vancouver. He was there a few years before me. Then he went to Sun TV in Toronto. After a few years, he left. Then I worked at Sun TV in Toronto. And he is easily one of the best interviewers on the face of the planet. He's so good at connecting with other people that he wrote a fascinating book about it called Every Conversation Counts. And after hearing this conversation, You're going to start to think about every conversation that you have in your daily life in a completely different way. Oh, by the way, Riaz has also given several TED Talks. So when you have some time, look them up on YouTube and prepare to be inspired. Share this with someone who you know is going to be inspired by this. Tag us on social media. Let us know what stands out for you the most. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Riaz is at Riaz Megji. That's R-I-A-Z. I said Z even though I'm Canadian. Sorry, Riaz, we say Z in Canada. M-E-G-H-J-I. And if you haven't yet, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this right now. Abdullah Ahmed in Great Britain left this review on Apple Podcasts that says, Upper Echelon. Been listening and watching your interviews and podcasts for a few years now and only recently joined Apple Podcasts so I can finally leave a review. Well, thank you. Your podcasts are very enjoyable, and the conversations flow seamlessly. One of the best podcasts out there, in my opinion. Keep on doing what you're doing, and who knows, maybe one day I will be lucky enough to be on here. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review, and one day, yeah, I look forward to interviewing you, sir. I'm going to keep reading one review on every single episode till we get to that goal, 2,000 reviews, or my birthday, May 19th, which is, man, that's just around the corner, man. All right. Those interview skills, when I do interview you, Abdullah, will be vastly improved after taking some tips from this conversation. Please welcome Riaz Megji. What a pleasure to be doing this, Riaz. So good to see you, man. Been too
1: long. Been too long. My Canadian brother that left once upon a time, but here we are (laughs) back reunited uh, in new medium. The last time I saw you, we were
0: both television hosts. Now we're kind of like, I don't even know what you'd call content creators. You are an author, like you're a father now. Congratulations on everything
1: that you've got going on. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. It's, it, you know, it's been a journey. And obviously as a television host in in, in in this era, whether you live in Canada, and that's where I am right now, Vancouver, BC, or anywhere in the world. There are so many opportunities to just get creative and share a message if you have one. And here we get to do that here on Insight. So congrats to you too, man. This is this is a great show you put together. Although I don't have any wrestling moves. I feel a little inadequate <laughs> being here.
0: I'm sure you could do a headlock or something like that. You know.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm the hit and run guy. I'll be the manager that'll slap you and then run for cover. I cool.
0: like this. Now, you won't know this, but something that you said in one of your keynotes inspired the heck out of me when I first heard it many years ago. And, you know, your whole thing is every conversation counts, which on the outset is like, it's so true. Literally every conversation counts. Our entire lives are built on the conversations that we have. But when you asked the question, what's the most important conversation of your life? It really took me back and I went, Oh, wow because the answer to that i think really shows like what type of person you are and the direction that you're headed in as well mm. now well you now you got me hooked what what was it i mean it took me a long time to really think about this and uh I think for me, it's like my whole career has been about like broadcasting. I started in radio, internship in television, turned into the career that I've had now. And I think if I had to boil it down to one conversation, I think it was the conversation that landed me an internship at Chex TV in Peterborough, Ontario. I was driving an hour each way, working my high school job at the fish department of a pet store to pay for the gas to go to my internship. But this this isn't about me, but basically I Googled the general manager's email at the small TV station, Peterborough, Ontario, lied to him and said, I'm going to be in Peterborough next week for spring break. It'd be great to just come in and have a conversation with you. And Mm -hmm. that's basically how my entire career began. So I think for me, that's it. But where did this idea come from for you? that that one conversation could be so pivotal to someone's life.
1: Three days before I gave a TED Talk at TEDx Simon Fraser University back in 2012, and I was a business grad that just defected into television because of pure passion and commitment. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, Sam, reached out and said, Hey, Riaz, you know, you're probably going to share some, some great stories in, in your TED Talk, but what's the title you're going to put on this talk? Mm. And anyone that has the opportunity uh, to, to present you know, their material or, or give you know, a more formal talk, that's a real opportunity to impact somebody and move somebody and inspire them to do something differently. And him, Sam asking me that question made me really reflect on why is it that I love the art of the interview. Why is it, and at the point I was hosting a show called Breakfast Television Vancouver, why is it that I'm waking up at 4 a.m. every morning, Monday to Friday, to interview people for a living? And when I really got down to it, the answer was the power of any given conversation. Yes. And it really made me reflect on that. You know, not every conversation we have is going to be life-changing, but every conversation, whether that's a celebrity, whether that's a wrestler, whether that's a philanthropist, uh, an athlete, every conversation has the potential to change somebody's life. Yeah. And when I answered that question that Sam threw at me, I became more intentional and entitled to talk every conversation counts. And then that gave me such clarity and, and more of a fascination to deep dive into the science of how and why we connect on, on a human level.
0: I mean, I, I look up to you and I have for a lot of my career because you're such a great interviewer. And I want to know for you, where does that begin? What, what do you think are the building blocks of a great conversation or in, in our case, in our career, a great televised or broadcasted interview?
1: This is so good on so many levels that, that you address this right off the top. I would make the critical mistake in my interviews that I would research the guests, I'd watch their movie, listen to their album, and then come up what I thought mm. was a brilliant list of questions. And then my, the way I, I, and I watched my playback to this day, every single interview I do, and even being an interviewee, just to watch and, and to learn. And Chris, I like I would watch the interviews and then say, yep, I asked all my questions, check, success. Yeah. But then after time, I started to realize I am completely missing the mark because I'm caught up in all of this research I'm doing. And the one key lesson and breakthrough that I have is to approach any great interview is to over-prepare to improvise. Mm. Because that research is gonna give me confidence and show that person that I care about the contribution they've made. But the opportunity for real connection is that leaning in, listening, and improvising because they may throw something at me that I didn't research, but that's a priority to them, and that could have a high highly emotional component and following that lead as opposed to falling back on, oh, but I had this question yeah that that's where the magic happens, and one of the things I would do in the green room and, and I, I was becoming more conscious of doing it was I'd walk in and no matter who the guest was. One of the first questions that threw out them was just, hey, thanks for being here. What's on your mind? Mm. And the things that would come out of their mouth would allow me to understand that's the priority occupying this person's mental space. Let's explore this because people love that. They're like, they're listening, they're paying attention, and then examining and exploring that space unlocked new spaces because then they trust. And once you have trust, you can have a beautiful uh, deep dive of a conversation.
0: I've heard that Oprah would go into the green room before her interviews and go, what's your intention for this interview? And I went, oh, that's so good. That's so powerful. Mm. Because otherwise, it's just a conversation. It's just an interview. But if you're going to be on o- the Oprah Winfrey show, you know, which is one of the biggest shows in the history of television, she's basically saying, all right, you're going to have six minutes, eight minutes, whatever the segment is what's your intention? What would you like to get out of this? And I thought that that was just so powerful that she was aware enough to know to
1: ask that question before they even started. I love that even more. You just took what's on your mind and just put it into the uh, honors honors class. What's your intention? That well, I think you, you
0: put Oprah in any sentence and it just takes it up a level, <laughs> I feel like.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that, that is great because you get to the core Either question, what's on your mind or what's your intention of what the priority is for the person in front of you? And that's where the magic happens. I think one of the
0: big things I've realized, you know, now that I've had my podcast almost two years now and my YouTube videos have just been getting increasingly longer and longer because. I just love a great conversation. But Riaz, you've got to know how difficult it is. I mean, you're on Breakfast Television. I'll set this up for our American listeners, our American viewers. That's like the Canadian version of Good Morning America. It's like the Canadian version of the Today Show. And sometimes you've only got six minutes to have this entire conversation where you and I will have the luxury during this conversation to talk for you know an hour-ish. Sometimes when a person's leading you down that path and you know you've only got two minutes till you got to throw to commercial break, it's tough to switch gears and go to another topic because you need to promote their book, their movie,
1: you know, their appearance or whatever. That's a difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the preparation comes in to understand a, a, a six-minute interview. And it's funny now being on the other side, answering the questions. At first, it was really weird, but being a good interviewer, is a skill yeah being an effective interviewee is also a skill for sure and there's an opportunity on both sides if if you're watching and listening to this conversation right now thinking okay i've got a big interview coming up where i'm the guest think about what is the magnetic quote that you could share that's going to resonate in somebody's mind and even if you're told, especially in a live atmosphere, you have six to eight minutes. I've yeah. been doing, you know, live interviews where they say, "Sorry, uh, we're running behind. We only have three minutes twenty seconds." In my mind, I'm recalibrating, thinking, "Okay, what you know? What is my intention to you know of what, what you want to get across?" And as an interviewer, it's pure guidance. Like I will ask a question, give them forty five seconds to. Uh, 60 seconds, you know, max in a live interview, if it's truncated, and then guide them, follow their emotion and guide them. So I know what they want to get across and make sure they get those key messages in. We've both interviewed a
0: lot of celebrities. We've both interviewed a lot of the same celebrities. How interesting is it when you get those great interviewees that you talk about where you could throw literally any question at them and they're going to go, well, my new film is out on April 30th and you can see this everyone. It's like, wow, you're you're both a pro, and this is also super frustrating.
1: Yeah, because and that that is a good challenge. And as you describe that, it makes me think of junket interviews, yeah. where someone's got that movie coming out. They're in a hotel for the weekend. Yeah. Us as interviews, we go in. We all have five minutes. They know their talking points, and then it's on us to break through that, which is difficult at times because there has to be a willingness on their part to share. Something new. They could be exhausted. And it really comes down to a commitment to listening for the cues they they give us so we don't get caught up in the curiosity that we had coming in. And then it just falls into autopilot. Like the message behind every conversation counts in this book has always been: how do we all, especially after this past year and, and people are just feeling that something's missing and we've lost human connection, how do we break out of autopilot mode and just become more intentional with how we connect, whether we're interviewing somebody or just beside somebody, whether that's our partner, a parent, friend, or maybe even a child?
0: I wanna bring this back around to that first question that we started this conversation with. What was the most important conversation in your life, Riaz?
1: This conversation for me was a crossroads conversation. And it happened early 2000s, final semester, Simon Fraser University, going after a business degree, going to be a broker. And I had just finished facilitating some sessions at a conference in Quebec City for the student group, international student group. The co-chair of this conference, his name is Latfi, phenomenal, charismatic figure. He could electrify an audience, funny guy. Now, I had the fortune of having Lotfi sit in on some of my sessions. And after this conference, Lotfi came to me and he said, hey, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think you should go into business. Mm. And I remember looking at him thinking, uh, okay. He's like, look, you are 22 years old. You've got something to contribute in the presentation space. I, I think you should go after it, whether that's television or some type of visual medium. You, you have an opportunity to do something great in this world. And I remember looking at him thinking, yeah, but I'm also from a South Asian family, right? So if you're not a doctor, lawyer, dentist, or some sort of financial expert, you know, that that's a problem with mom and dad. <laughs> Look, even as I say, it, you can hear sirens in the background, right? It's like, hey. Jay Shetty
0: me. always jokes that you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. Those are your three options.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that, that's real talk, though, <laughs> on the co- co- cultural line. And when I threw out that excuse, because that's really what it was. Laffey came back and he said, when are you going to stop playing safe Mm. and start living your life? Did you feel like you were living somebody else's life? Absolutely. Mm, I was living the life of what my parents wanted me to be. And when I made the decision, you know, after that conversation, a seed's planted. Any of us in our lives, if we're fortunate enough to have somebody that sees something in you before you see it yourself, that is such a gift. And that's what that crossroads conversation was for me. And then entering all these contests uh, to to, to break into the industry. My parents were concerned. And now so many years later, being a parent, I understand it's not that they didn't want me to do what I wanted to do. They were concerned for my well-being because for them, they came from East Africa in the seventies to Canada with a couple hundred bucks in their pocket. And they worked hard to create a life for myself and my brother and to take care of their family and they wanted to make sure we were okay. Yeah, And I get that now, but at the time it was scary, but it was exhilarating to have that sense of discovery of this could be the thing. And I love doing this. And then it really started opening, opening up opportunities in the television business in Canada. And this is 20 years ago when social
0: media didn't exist. So you've got to carve this path for yourself,
1: which is so much more difficult than how it is now. Man, it, it was an uphill battle at all times. I mean, the media industry is so volatile and has been shrinking in the past decades. Yeah. Uh, I thought I hit the lottery with my first on-air gig with MTV Canada. And uh, I just, you know, always actually, you know, one of the producers at MTV gave me some great advice, <laughs> bringing my business analytical mind into my first interview. I gave them my list of questions and they said to me, Okay. I could tell you research this person, but you know, wh- where's the fun in this? Mm. How, how are you going to ignite this guest? So they're having fun. They're smiling. You're smiling and the audience will enjoy the experience too. And for me, in that lesson, I was kind of stubborn at the time because coming out of the business world, you know, the ego was built up of no, these are good. Qu- this is how it should work. And that producer reminded me to always maintain a beginner's mindset. Because if you're the expert, there's only a few options in your mind. But if you're the beginner, the possibilities are endless.
0: That's such a great mindset
1: that you can take with you into every aspect of your
0: life too, that beginner's mindset. And the people who have some of the greatest minds, the people who have accomplished some of the biggest, best things in the world, approach every situation with that beginner's mindset.
1: Yeah, just staying open to the possibilities. It's it's so easy for our ego to get in the way, and that was such a great lesson for me to disarm and let go of the ego and just be that sponge that can stay open, that can learn, that can explore the possibility of what someone might give you. I love that there's going to be a, a lot of people listening to this going, "What's
0: my conversation? What's my one conversation? What's the most important conversation in my life?" And you, you can probably boil it down to five or three or two, but I think there's also going to be a lot of people that might be at that crossroads where they go. I've always wanted to do this, but I'm stuck doing this other thing instead. What do you say to someone that maybe is is scared, maybe is nervous about chasing after their passion?
1: And maybe it's the interviewing instinct. It's not something I'll say, it's something I'll ask. Mm. And if they say they're scared, I'll explore that. Because my goal is always, if somebody's at a point where they're, unconsciously making excuses of why they don't have something or why something's not working. And excuses are just those unconscious assumptions that it's going to fail or I don't have time. One of the biggest questions I'll ask is, why do you need this? Because we don't lack time. We don't lack discipline. We lack necessity if, if we haven't achieved that thing or we're not going after that thing. So the first starting point I would ask is, why do you need it? And that. then ask the questions to allow them to self-diagnose where they're at. Because people don't need me to tell me, or tell them, oh, here's what you need to do to get there. It's just being that soundboard and that mirror to objectively ask the questions, to unlock something for them to say, that's why I haven't done it yet. Okay, I'm going to go after it. And that is truly the power of questions and what our curiosity can do. Tony Robbins always says the quality of your life is the quality of the questions
0: that you ask. And for someone like me or you, and I love how you like you'll phrase it. You say you're in the business of conversation. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so good. You're not an interviewer, you're in the business of conversation. I'm like, I'm totally stealing that, Riaz. That's so good. <laughs> but because you and I do this for a living, I, I realize like the better your questions are, the better your answers will be, not just in an interview setting in life in general what do you think are like three building blocks for someone to start asking better questions in their life every day
1: starting point less info more emotion and i'll give you some great research done by the late psychiatrist gordon livingston he really focused on what the happiness equation is for people and in his work over the years uh, he looked at the idea that the happiest people have something to do, they have someone to love, Mm. and they have something to look forward to. Mm. And when you think about the context of, hey, okay, us as interviewers, Chris, somebody could be listening, well, what if I don't have all the time to do the research? What if I really want to connect with someone that's right in front of me, and I have no context of who they are? You ask them about what they're doing, who they love, and what they're looking forward to. All of those questions have a high emotional component. We get caught up in the superficial information. Like think about what small talk is about the weather. What are you doing on the weekend? These are just information transactions. Yeah. If we want to connect with people, let's break away from just the info and really dive into the emotion and the emotion of what matters with people. And emotion really lives in relationships. Think of how powerful of a
0: question, what are you excited about in your life? Think about how powerful of a question that is. Because you're right, it cuts through all of that small talk, cuts through all the BS and gets to like the core of who you are as a person. Because however you answer that question
1: tells me a ton about who you are as a person. Mm. And when people give you that gift, one of the things I always try to to consciously do is not only listen to what they're giving me, but look out for uncommon commonalities. Like you and I have this unique history where we both worked on a show called 969 for MTV Canada. Yeah. We both worked on a show called inside jam for Sun TV way back in the day. And yeah. now we're both in this, you know, online space, creating content, the little social cues that people give us that are unique connection points. If we can document those, one of the things I, I, I want to see the world get rid of is sending an email when you're checking in with someone, whether it's a week a month, a year after you've had a conversation, much like we're having a conversation today, instead of saying, hey, Chris, hope you're well. yeah, Let's eliminate hope you're well and say, hey, Chris, remember when you told me this, when we had that chat on Insight? The most important line someone could give you is like, man, it's been so long. I can't believe you remembered that.
0: Yeah, That's
1: what, that's what we need right now. Well, that's, I mean, so the
0: subtitle of your book, your book is called, Every conversation counts, but I love this subtitle here. It's the five habits of human connection that build extraordinary relationships. Can you kind of bullet point for us those five habits that we can do to have better relationships,
1: to have better connections? Well, we've talked a lot about listening and I'm going to bad lead off with uh, the first habit of listen without distraction. Yeah. And the concept of this is, especially during the pandemic, for many of us working from home and, and figuring out you know, how we do this and multitask with all of these distractions, uh, some of the science we found for this book is that our brains absorb four to 500 words per minute, yet the average person speaks at a rate of 125 words per minute. And if you look at that, we're almost too smart for our own good. And we have this, our brain has this insatiable appetite for information. So we could be having this conversation, and meanwhile I could be scanning my phone looking for information, I could be caught up in daydreaming, I could get emotionally distracted if I disagree with you. Yeah. Listen without distraction really starts with auditing ourselves, and really looking at our conversations and understanding what's getting in the way. Yeah. And then when we pinpoint those, start picking them off one by one.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, so that's number one. What are What are the other four here? Number two, make your small talk bigger. And one of the biggest ways to do this is to dive in and focus on the emotional context of our questions. Expansive questions we're asking of questions that start with how, that start with what, that start with why. Because they open up the conversation uh, to to create a more emotional component. If we're just going who, we're going when. Yeah. Yeah. These are just straight informational transactions. So breaking out of that and the other idea is to ask for stories, much like you've done about, hey, what's the story behind your most important conversation? Ask for stories, not just answers because emotion lives in story. And I think people need to realize you
0: don't have to be a professional interviewer to use these tactics in your daily life. This just makes you a better communicator. From top to bottom, whether you're talking to your husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, whether you're talking to your kids, your boss, whoever, if you can have a better,
1: if you can be a better communicator, you'll get better places in life. And you, as as you're articulating that, think about the idea of a of a job interview. And if somebody yeah. said to you, Chris, uh, now, now tell me what your characteristics are as a team as a team player. You could sit there and say, you know what? I'm a hard worker. I'm trustworthy. Are they going to believe you if you just say those things? Or if you have a great story that reveals your character of the adversity you faced, you're going to draw them in so much more. One, they're going to remember you. And two, they're going to believe those character traits so much more.
0: And I think that's a big thing that you've keyed in on here is like making people remember you. Like how important is that job interview? Perfect example. How about a first date? You want someone to remember you. Like it's such an important thing for people to
1: remember you. All right. So that's that's one and two. What's number three? Uh, Number three is going to dive nicely into this first date example you just gave. Number three is put aside your perfect persona. There was an interview that I had done years ago with the uh, former publisher of Success Magazine, Darren Hardy. Uh, He actually wrote the book, Compound Effect, one of my favorites of just consistently showing up and the success it can create in your life. And I had 20 minutes with Darren Hardy uh, at a conference in Whistler, BC. The organizer uh, just said, hey, if you wanna talk to him, we'll give you that time. And I asked him, because Darren's interviewed some of the, the biggest names in the world, Oprah included. And I said to him, like, Darren, what is the secret for you? To get people to open up and trust you. Yeah. So you not only get something great for your interview, but you're also building a powerful relationship. And he kind of smiled and he said, go first. And I said, okay, go first. Like, what does that mean? How does that, like, how do I apply that? And he said, if you want someone to trust you, go first and share something raw and candid in your own life to show you trust them. Oh, that's so good. And if you want to if you want to motivate somebody, go first and find out what motivates them and help them achieve that. Yeah. And this idea, and I thought, okay, go first. And if you're listening to this, you might think, okay, first date, what if I go first and share something and then it's like TMI? <laughs> now there's there, there's there's a fine line on that because that's an important point of going first and there's a psychological concept known as the Prattfall effect where Uh, credibility before vulnerability is key yeah because it's important to establish our point of authority responsibility and respect first and that vulnerability after will draw people closer to us but if people already perceive us if you're on this first date and you look like a schlep and people are thinking you're incompetent yeah your your share will be Construed as an overshare and create distance as opposed to drawing someone closer. So it's really important as we're putting aside our perfect persona, one, to, to lead with, with honesty and realness, but two, to put in the work and establish your credibility as well. You are dropping all
0: kinds of knowledge bombs here, Riaz. I love this. Man, we're only halfway through. What's,
1: what's number four? Uh, number four is to be assertively empathetic. And if we look at the polarized climate we're living through, not wow. just in America, not just in Canada, just around the world right now, how can we, if we're going to be assertively empathetic, discover before we dismiss people? Hmm. And this pops up especially, I, I think of emotional distractions on this when we disagree with someone. Like relationship is the foundation for productive conversation. And what's happening is when we disagree, it's... It, it's a confrontation. It's not a collaboration. Yeah. And and some, some quick tips on how we can really lead and show up in our lives, not just at work, but just, just with the people we love, with people we're meeting, is how we put the relationship first and then logic second. No matter what somebody has said, whether you agree with it or not, acknowledge them. You've heard them, recap their perspective, acknowledge what they have given you because people want to be seen, heard, and they want that sense of belonging. Yeah. And
0: you don't necessarily have to agree with someone to empathize with them. You can go, you know what? I've never looked at it that way. That's a really interesting way to look at it. And, you know, I I think that that's
1: such an important thing to say, which a lot of people don't do. It opens it up of saying, you've accepted what I've given you immediately out of the gate. And I think that helps disarm the tension that could exist and help de escalate conflict so you can have really productive conversations. Yeah, because it's like, how do you productively disagree? Assertive yeah. empathy is our big starting point, and then you know, through the power of questions and logic, after really understanding, okay, Chris, what's your ideal scenario with insight? You know, what what would it take for this to work for you? What's the real challenge here? And it shows through uh, acknowledgement, empathy that hey, we're on the same side of a productive conversation as yeah. as opposed to opposite opposite ends of an unproductive confrontation. Yeah. Number
0: five is my favorite. Make people feel famous. I I absolutely love this. And like I mentioned before, you and I have interviewed a lot of the same people. I'm really curious, Riaz, who's the celebrity that you've interviewed, or maybe it's more than one, who made you feel famous, who went out of their way to make you feel like a star?
1: Well, I saw this on display, and anytime I give this example, there's a mixed reaction on this star, but I'm going to say it anyways, because I respect the way uh, he runs his business of celebrity, and it's, it's Tom Cruise.
0: Yeah. And
1: in, in Vienna, I think this was like 2016, 2017, don't quote me on the year, but- That was uh, Mission Impossible,
0: Impossible 5 red carpet, wasn't it? It was Rogue Nation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was my first glimpse of how Tom operates. And, you know, a host, I think I was beside a host from extra at the time, you know, how it is on the red carpet they jam y'all in. And yeah. he said, watch, Tom's going to show up an hour before this red carpet. And he's gonna be with the fans for an hour before he hits this carpet. And then he's going to be on this carpet for hours. And he's gonna talk to everybody. And I'm like, no way. How was he going to do all that and then watch this movie? But yeah. sure enough, this is exactly what he did. And I thought for sure I was beside extra. I was reporting for a Canadian outlet, city TV. And I thought they're going to brush by us. Tom came right yeah. up. Bang. Eye contact locked in. And even as he was a- answering the questions and giving us, you know, just the best of himself, I saw the publicist, you know, they come in, they tap the elbow, go on to the next one. Yeah. He's brushed it off. <laughs> he was there to answer the questions and be as present as possible. And I thought, Who am I to this guy in the grand scheme of things? He's got all these other major outlets there to do his press, to amplify his movie. But I watched him, not only with myself, but with every single person. And it was such like a simple thing. And some people will say, well, you know, Tom, Tom's kind of weird. He's a little extreme. Remember when he was jumping on Oprah's couch, people, you know, when I, when I tell this story, they talk about Scientology and I'm like, put all of that aside and, and look at the simple gesture of how you could show up in somebody's life because make people feel famous, especially right now, speaks to the fact that everybody in their life needs a champion or a cheerleader in their corner to lift them up. And you can do that for anyone, not just a close friend, anyone you meet on the street at any given time.
0: How can someone in our everyday life, not in an interaction with Tom Cruise, and we'll get to that a little bit more in a second, but how can people in their everyday life
1: make someone feel famous? celebrate them and and looking at the idea, a simple example of of how we use praise. And like if you see somebody and 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 you know you like what they're wearing or you love the smile they have or the energy they give, let's get into a space where we're we're using praise to be specific. Let's eliminate just saying, hey man, great job Or, or or hey love, you know, love what you're doing. Get specific with it. Yeah. And, and make it personal of, hey, what you did, Chris, what you're doing with Insight, man, I'm inspired to go out there and create even more content because of the consistency you're showing up with. Mm. And making that praise public and making it urgent. Sometimes, like, you know, we wait. We're a little anxious. Oh, maybe, maybe they don't want to hear my comment. Well, maybe that comment could make a huge difference. And thinking about the power of praise you can give any human being today, whenever, you know, next week, maybe you're seeing somebody important light them up yeah. but do it with specificity
0: my story with tom cruise is very similar to your story i got him for the next mission impossible movie in paris in the shadow of the eiffel tower i tell the story all the time and i get a similar reaction like really tom cruise i'm like personal life aside, what an incredible actor, what an amazing movie star. But it's funny on the flip side of things, Riaz, how you can have an interaction with a celebrity that doesn't go the way you thought it would go or an interaction just with somebody. Maybe it's when you're getting coffee or maybe when you're getting gas or whatever, maybe it's when you're checking into the hotel that can Mm -hmm. absolutely ruin your idea of that person or that brand for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, it's nerve wracking, especially if you respect somebody in such a major way. And then you're like, oh, no, that's what they're really like. But also recognize that could be a bad day for that person. And then we've crossed paths with them in an off day. We all have off days. So that in itself takes a bit of empathy to understand, okay, maybe that's not really them. How can you really judge somebody on a sample size of one? It's hard but i think that there's you know there's always that time where you're sitting
0: on the couch you're watching that movie on netflix or hulu or hbo max or whatever it happens to be a certain actor comes on and they go yeah i saw that guy walking out of a pizza place in new york i said hi he looked at me and then looked the other way i hate that guy it's like well maybe maybe he didn't hear you so yes. That I kind of took what you said with number five there, make people feel, feel famous. And I've remembered that in my life with any sort of interaction that I might have for someone who subscribes to my podcast, might've seen me on TV, listens to me uh, on YouTube. I'm like, let's, let's take that moment and try to make this the best interaction absolutely possible. And for you, I mean, you, you were on a massive show for so long in Vancouver, one of the most recognizable faces in that city. I imagine
1: that that's something you apply to your life all the time, too. It's if we're fortunate enough to be on a platform, I fully recognize there's a there's a big responsibility that comes with it. And if people are engaged and if people like what you're doing and they come in contact with you. We're driven
0: by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: and they have that experience that's less than ideal, it's a huge letdown for them. But if you're going to be in the public eye, one, I understand you'll never have 100% approval. So no matter how pure my intention could be, there could be some people that really jive with this content we're talking about and some that'll be like, Tom Cruise, what make people? No, I'm not. I'm just going to do me. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's just my, my role is just to accept, to listen and just be open to any energy that's gonna come my way. And then I have a choice of how I'm gonna react to it.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com Insight. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to BetterHelp.com Insight. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com Insight. Have you had the good fortune of interviewing The Rock?
1: oh no but i love the rapport you have with this man it is brilliant that well, is a gift in itself thank you that's very kind of you to
0: say i think it's about one percent me and 99 percent dwayne johnson going i'm gonna make this guy any person actually feel famous when we do this interview
1: mm, man like from what I've seen uh, from, from his interactions and like, this is like the degrees of separation to The Rock's greatness through you. It's just, and even Will Smith, Will Smith, uh, the way he does that, like it's, it's a gift, but that takes effort. That yeah. takes effort. They recognize yes. they are where they are because of the reporters, because of the fans, because of the people that, that get behind them. And it's so important to just give that energy back. How much do you think that this is a, an
0: innate quality and how much of it is a learned behavior to, to make someone feel
1: famous, to be
0: a great communicator? A bit of both. Yeah.
1: One, I, th- I think it's a heightened sense of self-awareness of how am I showing up? What's the energy that I'm putting into this space? And how are people jiving with this energy? Like one of the greatest and di- most difficult questions you could ask somebody is, and you know, I mean, you got to trust them to ask this. What is it like being on the other side of me? And if you're going to ask that question to someone that you care about, you might learn some interesting things. And it could be a challenge to stay open because it's easy to get defensive. But having that desire and curiosity to understand how this energy, how this contribution is being read uh, is important. Yeah, because if you want, like, I've always operated under this service mentality. And as I say this, there's a fine line because I never want to sacrifice authenticity for external approval. That's not what I'm saying. It's, it's just having a sense of awareness of what I'm putting out there. Is it serving? Is it helping people? If it's missing the mark, I want that constructive feedback. I'm not looking for you to validate who I am as a person, but I want that constructive feedback to grow, learn and serve in bigger ways.
0: I think it'd be too easy to ask you who's your favorite celebrity that you've interviewed, so keeping with the theme of your book and every conversation counts, what's been your favorite conversation that you've had with a celebrity?
1: Mm. We've stumped him <laughs> that you know that, that that's so interesting. So many thoughts come to my mind because I'm a guy that always tries to document the lessons. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think one of my favorites, and this is lesson driven, would be with, uh, he's a notable figure in Canada, uh, and he hosts Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Ron, is, uh, Ron McClain. Ron McLean. Yeah. And he, he's a magnificent storyteller. But I remember in an interview with Ron, he was telling me about his most important conversation, being a young radio jock that was all about himself and and when he first got into the business, he was, he was really happy about a moment he had with a listener and his program director said, yeah, but it was too showy. You were more con- concerned about how good you looked as opposed to leading with authentic wonder with the listener. Love it. And in that moment, he shared with me, Riaz, no matter where you are, whether you're an interviewer or, or whoever you're with, there are always two teachers in the room. And I said, two teachers in the room, and he said, yeah, the one, the person that is speaking and sharing their life experience, their story, their lessons, but you can also be a teacher with how you listen, mm-hmm. and how you ask these questions, and how you explore the experience with them, mm-hmm. and which leads to, you know, one of the great themes behind the book of look at you is greater than look at me, and that is a pillar for connection. So out of all of them, I know it's, it's probably not like the glitz and glam of uh, a-list celebrity no diss to ron because he is you know incredible at what he does but that would stay with me and i appreciated the realness he brought in that chat
0: ron is canadian broadcasting royalty so <laughs> yes yeah, no and i i'm with you like sure it's been cool to you know i could list off and you know a, a hundred names of people i've interviewed but my favorite interviews are the ones where i can take a moment from that interview or a line from that interview and go That changed my life. Like, Mm. and I'll, I'll give you my story here real quick. It is The Rock. And The Rock meant so much to me growing up. Like in high school, I was a huge, huge wrestling fan. Still am, but a big fan of The Rock. And The Rock's dream wasn't to be in the WWE. The Rock's dream wasn't to be a movie star. The Rock's dream was to play in the NFL. Think about that for a minute. That The Rock's dream was to play in the NFL and he got cut from the CFL. So when I interviewed him on the red carpet for Ballers, and his character in Ballers is a retired football player, I said, if you wanted to be more like Spencer Strathmore, your character in this TV show, would you go back and change anything so that you could live your dream to play in the NFL? And he said, first of all, he said, that's a great question, because that's what The Rock does. And he's so good about making you feel famous. Yeah. But he goes, I wouldn't change anything, because sometimes the best things in life are the things that don't happen. And yes. you, you were not aware that you said this before we were on camera here, but I was talking about something and you said, that's probably the best thing to not happen to you. And I went, yes, it's so true. Because sometimes we have this idea in our mind of like, I need to do A to B to C, and this is my path that I'm going to go on. Sometimes life throws you a curveball. And sometimes you need to sit back on that curveball you know, and, 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 and hit that curveball rather than going, no, I'll just wait for the next one. And I think that that's such an important thing. Look, that's basically the story of your life. You were on a path to become an investment banker. And look where the path that you've taken yourself has led
1: to. I know. I'm here broadcasting from my son's old bedroom. My two-year-old <laughs> son's old bedroom. We made moves, man. We made moves. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been such- say that. As you say that, Chris, I want to recognize this, this point you're making with the rock story of what is the best thing that never happened to you for everything we have all been through during this pandemic. Uncertainty became our universal commonality. We all had to change. We all had to evolve, but we learned how resilient we could be. If you were to take one thing from this interview, ask yourself, what's the best thing that that didn't happen to you during the pandemic? And how did that shift your path? That is powerful, man, because there are going to be some just amazing stories that come out of the last year. If, if you know, once we get past the health aspect, uh, it, it's been difficult, but the, there's there's plenty of upside from from what we've been through. What do you think is the biggest lesson that 2020 taught you? I articulate this in the book, that human connection isn't an option. It's a necessity. Yeah our touch points got overlooked. Like how many times did somebody said, hey, you want to come to this? Uh, you, you want to show up at that event? And we may have second guessed it. And we, we may have just been on autopilot mode of how we checked in with people. You take that away from us as social animals. I personally felt the, uh, the degree of loneliness. I mean, the book tackles uh, what I call the social pandemic of loneliness that existed well before the pandemic and COVID even began. And now when we lost that all, one of the other things I say is that the pandemic, it doesn't change your identity, it reveals it. And one yeah. of the big reveals for me was looking at how powerful human connection is, because uh, our well-being, our, our meaningful connection, that's our new competitive advantage. And one of the most important questions I'm asking now is not what's the world going to look like post-pandemic or in 2025 or 2030. For me, it's how can I and how can we have meaningful human connection regardless of the context? regardless of the barriers that are up against us.
0: I think it's been a very revealing time, right? And I I heard someone refer to this as the great pause. And I love that because it's given us all a chance to pause and go who's important and what's important in our life. And I think you're so right. This isn't just a lesson that we learn from the pandemic. This is a lesson we learn from the pandemic and move forward and take with us for the rest of our lives.
1: And how we can just be more intentional. Yeah. with 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 every gesture, one of the things it's a simple thing, but the late uh social scientist us uh, uh neuroscientist, I should say um John Cassiopo, he was known for putting the idea and challenge of loneliness on the map, and he talked about well, how do you combat loneliness and on a simple level, it's creating more face to face connection yeah so so that got stripped out this year, but if you think about the uh events that you could celebrate, the milestones you could celebrate. Sometimes in autopilot mode, we could send a text, hey, happy birthday, happy anniversary. But instead, just pick up your phone and shoot a 30-second video and send that to someone you know. Let them see you. Let them feel your emotion. Those simple gestures make a huge difference. Instead of just buying somebody's card, Hallmark card, that's got words in there already, let's personalize the message through video, through emotion. And that's a simple thing that could become a new habit even post-pandemic.
0: Something I've noticed from high achievers is they love voice texts. And I think number one, it definitely adds a, like a, a different sense of like adding that personal touch to it. But it's also like, it's way easier to just talk your thing out and send it to someone rather than typing it out. But I think that th- there's a huge lesson to be learned there. Like if you sent me a voice message, I hear the tone of your voice. I hear how excited you are or how angry you are, whatever it happens to be. And I think you're right. It's like, not even going the extra mile. It's like going the extra, like, I don't know, handful of feet.
1: <laughs> just walk a couple more steps, yeah. shoot that video. And here's also some, you know, uh, unconsciously why this is valuable because what we see shapes what we hear. Yeah. And even on a voice text, sometimes it's hard to, you know, retone and connecting in a virtual world is difficult if you just send like a, a two letter text, like, okay, think about how okay <laughs> is misconstrued in so many ways. But if they see you, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling that energy. I know what Chris is saying here. It makes a difference.
0: Like, we've all been able to connect a little bit more over this last year using Zoom and connected a lot less over this last year because we can't meet up in person. Like, hell, I didn't even have a Zoom account till like 10 months ago. I don't even, I think I was aware of what it was, but I didn't have an account. I'm really curious, Riaz. Are are we hanging out right now, or is this still not quite at that level of
1: hanging out in person, grabbing a beer, being able to hug each other? Hugs and handshakes, man. Nothing will ever replace that. Agreed. But the, uh, you know, I use this word a lot. the The intention behind this exercise of having this conversation and talking about, you know, meaningful ideas. I haven't talked to you in years. Yeah. And to be able to have this type of catch up, I mean, it's so valuable. I mean, it is weird because as we're doing virtual, I'm looking at the camera. I'm not now I'm looking at the screen. Now I see you, man. Look at that smile. Hey. A really smile. But the whole time I'm looking at a camera and it is weird because if we're in a group setting and everybody's looking at their screens like I am right now, it's distracting because you think, oh, Riaz isn't paying attention because now he's looking down at the screen. Mm-hmm. So this new choreography of connection, I believe, can work requires us to just generate feedback frequently from the people involved so people don't fall into a passive mode but nothing will ever replace the power of touch and the oxytocin it can release when we have the chance and get past this to shake somebody's hand or embrace them and feel what that means all over again
0: i mean before this i did every interview in person because even if it just gave me that one percent edge i wanted to have a better interview than I I would have if we did it over Zoom or, you know, the old days of doing those satellite tours. But there's something about like feeling someone's energy and feeling someone's vibration and like raising yourself so that you can be
1: at their level. I love that kind of of stuff. It's it's beautiful. And some of those intangibles of how do you read the virtual room, you give up a lot of it and to understand is somebody, you know, are they feeling the questions I'm giving? Are they they feeling these ideas? you really you, you can't read it like one of the things uh, if I, if I'm delivering a keynote speech one of the benefits of virtual is before I close that zoom window there's a there's a comment thread with immediate reaction yeah. to what you're sharing and yeah. i will hit those three dots and i'll save the chat and I'll dissect it afterwards. I'll watch the playback, and then I'll look at the chat and understand what was of value to the people. So there's just different cues for us to pick up on now in the virtual space. But yeah, nothing will replace that vibration and that energy you, you speak about, about being in the room with someone and playing off each other. So we're not talking over each other. We're just propping each other up.
0: You've, we've talked so much about being a better listener and being a better interviewer, asking better questions.
1: You are such
0: a great speaker. On a stage, you're such a great keynote speaker. And for Thanks, people man. who are just starting out, or maybe someone who's you know, has the task in front of them of speaking to their company, what are some things that they can do to be a better public speaker?
1: The number one place to start is to understand the psychology of speaking. A lot of people say to me, "Oh my God, I got the speaking anxiety. Oh, I can't breathe. I tense up." And I ask them, "Why?" Yeah. And and they say to me, well, I don't know how it's going to go. And I say to them, why don't you know how it's going to go? And they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe they've heard the content before. And then I'll ask them, are you there to give them something? Or are you there to take something from them? Mm. And the greatest speakers are the ones that give. And how you can speak with generosity involves presenting before you're presenting. One of the things I'll always do if there's a keynote, I won't just talk with the event organizer to understand priorities. I'll ask them, who are three influential leaders that will be in the room or virtual room at this event that could share their personal perspective, their stories, their experiences, so I can understand the pain points of what they need. Hmm. So there's clarity in the necessity of my contribution. That alleviates the anxiety, so it's not a guessing game. There's a great understanding of what they need. Then it's customizing the message that serves them. Because some speakers go on stage, they've done the work beforehand, they've talked to the people, they know what's needed, and then they go crush it and punch it home. There's others that could come up with their own message that could be brilliant, but it's a huge guessing game because they didn't focus to understand what the group needed first. And then they're in front of that audience taking the validation, taking the applause. So many people have said to me, oh, I I just can't stand virtual. No one's laughing at my jokes. And I just encourage them to point your focus forward. It's not about your humor. Mm. It's not about how you're coming across. It's about what they need. Yeah. So really, step one, Understand crystal clear what they need and go into that groove. Because if you want anyone to listen to what you're saying, you need to make a connection first and asking those questions beforehand makes it makes a big difference.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. I heard someone say that no one is following you on social media, nobody's watching your videos, listening to your podcast because of who you are. They're doing it because of who they are. And this is exactly what you're saying here. It's like think about them first because it's it's
1: not about you. Yeah. I mean, that's what YouTube is. That's the critical mistake when people say I have no views on YouTube because the you in YouTube is not you, the presenter. It's you, the the one person on the other side of that screen that's watching you and how can you deliver for them? And what's the niche you're going to carve out? Like it's, it's really comes down to just pointing that focus forward.
0: Yeah. It's bringing value. It's bringing value to the one person on the other side of that camera, on the other side of that microphone. It's bringing value. And I think a lot of people don't leave with that. Yeah. I've really enjoyed catching up with you, man. I am so excited. The book's called Every Conversation Counts. Where's the best place for people to get it?
1: Uh, it's available at all major bookstores, all the details behind the book uh, at dot If you have to spell mikji, hopefully you can put just a key on screen. I don't know, maybe type it out on a social post. Good luck with that one. <laughs> but it's on the website. And uh, hopefully, I mean, if you choose to get this book and connect with the content, hit me up on social and just let me know how it serves you. It's um it's one thing to write a book. This is my first book, but it's another to understand uh, how it serves people. So I'm in a state of curiosity right now of how this message lands.
0: Look, we both got last names that are difficult to spell and difficult to to pronounce. So I very much feel you on this.
1: The struggle is real.
0: (laughs) Riaz, I end every conversation talking about gratitude because for me, that's the most important thing. I start and end every day with things that I'm grateful for. So I end every conversation by asking, what are three things that you're grateful for in your life? Mm.
1: Number one, my wife and my son. Uh, i very fortunate during this time, during the pandemic, there have been bouts of loneliness working from home and figuring out how to do this. And having my wife who goes into the office come home at the end of the day and uh, being with my son have helped me uh, on those down days. Uh, two. Uh, I'm grateful for just a powerful team that I discovered in the past year that got behind the "Every Conversation Counts" message. Dude, I was scared, man. It's, you're naked when when you create something you believe in and put it out to the world. Yeah. But to have people that back you and believe in you, uh, you know, I've I've had like a great uh, experience of learning that beginner's mindset uh, has been powerful. So I'm grateful for my team. Mm. And three, I'm gonna throw this back at you you've created a space to have an organic conversation and dive into this point of human connection. I woke up today, excited, one to catch up with you and two uh, grateful for your interest to, to have this in your space. And I joke, man, I've got no wrestling moves. I suck <laughs> at every sport, but here you are having a diverse set of conversations, not just in the wrestling world, but conversations to make people's days better. So I'm grateful that you, you, you invited me in to to do this with you. So. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say
0: thank you. And thank you for your time today. Look, I'm just, I'm fascinated by people who are at the top of their game because I think that we can learn from everybody, whether they're wrestlers or they're actors or celebrities or authors or speakers or whatever. I think that, you know, us normal people are able to take, you know, a few habits and tactics and techniques from people like you and apply them to our own lives. So riaz so good to catch up with you but thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with
1: us my pleasure man this this was a long time coming so it was great we had the chance to do this and hugs and handshakes hopefully i can make it down to la in the next year and we get to do this in person and just hang out so thanks chris man done this is part one part two in person Some people be like oh man this guy's gonna keep talking i'm I'm good with part one no they're gonna be like i'm gonna learn so much more (laughs) <laughs> I'll take it, man. Thanks so much, Chris. And congrats on Insight. This is this is such a great vehicle, man, to just uh, inspire the world.
0: Well, there you go, my friends. You can head to riazmegji.com to get every conversation counts and to just find out more about Riaz and everything that he has going on. And man, I, I just think about conversations so differently after reading his book and after having this conversation with Riaz. And that question about what the most co- important conversation of your life is, is it's such an interesting thing to think about because I think for some people, boom, you know, immediately right off the top of their head, I know exactly what it is. Uh, maybe it's career driven. Maybe that, that that's what it was for Riaz and I, but maybe it's the last conversation you had with a loved one before they passed away. Maybe it was the first conversation that you had with your significant other, but the whole root of this, the whole point of all of this is human connection is so important and even more important over this last year that we've had. As the journalist Christopher Morley famously said, there is only one rule for being a good talker. Learn to listen. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight.